Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Uh, well, was I <coughs> touching you again? Holding, no. <laughs> holding your you face? You like a light because I gave you Benadryl. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> drugged me so I wouldn't caress you in the night. And it worked. I gave you Benadryl when you'd had wine to make sure that you really just laid still. <laughs> did it work? Yeah. Oh, amazing. I was in the bed like a half hour after you this morning. Uh, I couldn't yeah. get up. Sometimes when I get too much adrenaline, I can't sleep. Yeah, why do you have adrenaline? Because when I have like a big and busy stimulating day, I have to put lots of energy into getting through the day. You Mm -hmm. know, like it takes a lot for me mentally and emotionally to make plans, to show up, to do anything that's like extending myself out there in any way. And so sometimes if I'm a bit tired, I kick into adrenaline mode, I think. Hmm. And it's not like manic, but it gives me the same sort of calm down as like if I was feeling manic. And then at night when I'm lying in bed, have you ever had that thing where your heart like shocks you awake? Yeah. Yeah. That's adrenaline. So I just had that last I night. I thought it was dreaming that you're falling downstairs. There's and then two, you- there's, yeah, no, there's two different ones. There's the falling one. Isn't that crazy when you're dreaming something yeah. and then you jolt awake because it happened to you in the dream and it yeah. and in real life that is so... Or have you ever woken up crying? Like you're crying in the dream and then you wake up and you're no, crying. No, I haven't done that. Really? I've done it quite a few times, not loads or anything, but... Definitely quite a few times. Oh, wow. No. And I'm a crier too, so that's yeah, strange. But maybe that's why, because you get it out while you're awake. I guess so. I there's cry no, every day. Does it? If a day goes by that I didn't cry, something's wrong. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. You just have to be kidding me. No, no. Seriously. It's like part of my daily health. Plan. You cry <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> like at what time? Is it scheduled? No, it's not scheduled, no. It could hit at any moment. A lot of people I know say that they cry in the shower every day. What? Yeah. But I'm not a shower crier. I'm I'm like a street crier. <laughs> I'm a car crier. Oh, sometimes I will be in the car just wailing and look over with total crying. <laughs> And it's someone next to me. <laughs> no, you can't look. Don't when you're crying in the car. Don't you just look forward. <laughs> don't look sideways. Recently, yeah. I've definitely had a few moments where I've been crying in the car, and then also freaking out, like grabbing the steering wheel, screaming, like throwing my head around like a banshee. Yeah, the car is good for screaming. And then I come back to earth and I'm aware that I'm like in a line of traffic right <laughs> like somebody just next to you keep just... looking forward just like white knuckling the steering wheel just like don't look at anyone this is very humiliating you may know the person next to you oh yeah because where you're staying right now yeah. it's such a small town yeah 
Very not good. I knew this boy once and we were talking about this exact thing and he was like, yeah, sometimes I just like punch the seat next to me with my arm. Imagine like, as you saw that. that. And I was like, that's, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I feel about the fact that you cry every day. Yeah, well, see, it's not always out of sadness. Like anything could hit me. I could see a really cute baby and it makes me burst out crying or my cat does something really cute is this bur- normal uh, no i don't mean it in like a rude way i just i've never heard of it before so i don't know if it is like maybe i'm the one that's not normal i don't i think i thought no, I because I, I well i know some people that say they haven't cried in years okay well that's weird when i was like five years old was my earliest memory that i have of music and it was Cyndi Lauper and it was True Colors yeah and I would sit and listen to it and just cry my eyes out and my mom said she was going to take it away from me if I didn't stop crying because she thought something was hurting me yeah and I didn't know how to voice what I was going through but I just I wanted to say you don't understand it's just so powerful to me that all I can do is cry yeah I mean god as a five-year-old it's no words yeah but but music is like you know music does that for us Mm -hmm. music is a great release but it just for me it it comes out as crying I mean before so it feels good to me yeah before this I definitely did not cry every day like I cry I thought I cried a lot because I I love a good cry I think it's really healthy you know the amazing thing about what I just said is that that came full circle in my life because when I was signed to Island Def Jam, Cindy Lauper was in my A&R guy's office and mm. she heard my song, Lullaby, mm. and she cried. Oh. And she said, I want to work with her. And so we met each other. Was and it nice? had a fabulous time together. We spent such a fun day together. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Just going all over LA. We had, you know drinks by the pool and just talked about being badass bitches (laughs) but it was really full circle in my life because she was the first yeah wow the first memory i have of being so emotionally you know overwhelmed by music Mm. anyway so the adrenaline that's interesting because you've been mentioning that this adrenaline is in your body a lot lately I know what you mean, but I haven't experienced it to the level that you're going through. Where yeah, it's, it's like a, where it's like it's a defense mechanism yeah. where it's it is survival. Yeah, it's your totally. it's your body getting through your day Absolutely. using whatever it has to. Yeah. I mean, I'm exhausted. You're exhausted, and, exhausted. but you have to keep going because you have yeah. to function and you have mm-hmm. meetings and you have responsibilities yeah. and Yeah, it's wild. It's like we were saying just people before. to cook for like yeah. me. <laughs> before we turned the microphone on was um that i in the last week have gone into this new phase of grief where i'm very i think you're right i think i just i'm tired and i keep forgetting what i'm doing you noticed yesterday that i forgot what i was doing like 50 times and then i became really aware of it and realized i kept walking over here and going wait, what am I doing over here? Or what am I doing next? Or what was I doing? Or, you know, like you poured your tea and then you put the tea kettle down and then you mixed in your honey. Yeah. And then you picked up the tea kettle again and you went to pour your tea and then you looked at it and you went, oh, I already did that. And I thought, okay. Yeah, it's been like that all week. She's going through it. 
Yeah, it's been like that all week. Yeah. It's so bad. It's not bad. Let's not label it as bad. It feels bad. Well, I think it's important to just be gentle with yourself while you go through that because it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Nothing is good or bad. It just is. I feel like I've got Alzheimer's or something. Well, you know, I would agree, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely mad. It's completely mad. I get up and I sort of walk around in circles. And I don't know why. I think I just must be tired. I've noticed when I'm writing in my journal that I am forgetting letters in words. Mm. I'm doing things back to front. My writing is like, I have to really concentrate to write in a clear way. I think you got dressed a couple times today because you have like 11 sweatshirts on. (laughs) And it's with all the layers. I'm just only wearing a <laughs> genre t shirt. Wouldn't that be funny though if you had, yeah, like I just had a, 20 layers yeah. on of pants in? I have been wearing these clothes for a while. For three days. I haven't changed. Well, people can identify with that being in quarantine. I don't think I've ever done that. The last week I've been. That might just be quarantine. No, I don't think it is. The last week I've had no. I've barely showered. And I usually shower once or twice a day. I've barely showered. And I have been wearing these clothes for three days. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to be... You don't have to be looking good for anyone. You don't have to be okay for anyone. You don't have to be... I got dressed and someone made a comment about it. Like, you got dressed today. Well done. And then I noticed, actually, now we're having this conversation, that I think... Maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on that. Will says that to me every day. The other day, he actually begged me to start wearing clothes. Instead of poor guy. pajamas. Yeah, poor guy. My poor fiancé. He was like, um, do you think... He was like, you look really good when you wear jeans. You should do that today. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You poor man. I will get dressed for you. <laughs> You know what? I'll even take a shower. Poor, poor man. You moved to America for what? So I've got no brain. I haven't showered. I haven't got dressed. Maybe I've got depression. (laughs) Well, you know, that is a possibility. I don't think I feel depressed. No, you, you... I'm just grieving. I'm just sad. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just really sad. And there's so many things, like we've been saying, that we don't have language for when it comes to grief. And when it comes to depression, too. The physical side of it as well. And so all this stuff that's happening right now that you're describing, I think it's normal. I'm going to Google it. I want to know if it's normal. Grief brain. It's not. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> it's normal. You're fine. Just love yourself through it. And I'll, when you leave, I'll have a bath. God, I thought you were going to say something else. Like what? Like, when you leave, I'm going to fall on the floor and just no. lay there all day. <laughs> I mean, I might do, but just for a rest. With adrenaline running yeah. through my body. <laughs> just shivering. <laughs> Nude. Just comatose, but manic at the same time. Um, yeah, so grief. And I was going to say something else, but I've already forgotten. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know what? It'll come back around. Wait for it. Oh, it's so annoying. It's annoying. I know, it must be. I feel like my, like sand falling through my fingers but yeah I think I am in a new phase of grief because I do feel different and I think 
last week I started to really properly grieve for Max because I kind of shut Max out yeah. at the beginning. And you told him to leave you alone for a while, I right? did, yeah. I just needed to focus on Ryan and I think last week I really sort of... I was having a chat with another friend and he said that he was feeling frustrated because people kept talking to him about Max and nobody was talking to him about Ryan. Mm. And it was making him feel really resentful mm. and feel angry at people and not want to talk to people. And when he admitted that to me, I was able to admit to myself in days after that I feel the same way. But the opposite. Yeah. yeah. People, obviously, of course, I've lost my husband and that's what everyone goes to first. Yeah. I've also lost my best friend. You know, I've also lost my creative soulmate. Yeah. And when our friend said what he said to me about how he's been feeling and I was able to spend some time with that thought and admit to myself I've also been feeling the same way, I think that began softening me to grieving Max. In a way, maybe it felt inappropriate to have huge amounts of grief for Max because I'm meant to be focusing on Ryan. Losing your husband and your best friend at the same time is... I don't know what to hold and what to put down and and I can't hold them both at once because I cannot hold that weight. It's too much for man to bear. Like it really is. It's huge. Mm. And I think I'm at this phase now where I am coming to terms with or recognizing or accepting the magnitude of what I've lost. It's huge. I go through feelings with visuals. I sometimes don't know how to articulate things, so I have to find a picture in my mind that shows me how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. through metaphor, kind of, and through symbolism. And then that helps me find the words. And that must be why you like to draw still life. Well, I don't know. Just that's a because you always place, you always create still life. um, In my house with bits as well. Yeah, you always create still life around you and. The little, what what do you call them? Vignettes, I would the, say. Yeah, the little vignettes of still life that you create around you are really eclectic, mm. and they're always a mix of yeah things that wouldn't usually go together. Yeah, it does. It helps me. And that must be because that's how you make sense of what you're feeling. Yeah, and it helps me speak. It's another mm-hmm. way for me to speak. So yeah. what kind of visuals are you getting about well, this? with this, it's... I feel as though I'm on my knees at the bottom of a mountain and I have only now just realised that I'm on my knees at the bottom of a mountain and I've begun to look up and realise I can't see... How big it is. ...the top of it and it's huge. So it's like before in in previous weeks you knew you were on your knees but you weren't looking up and you didn't know exactly what was in front of you. I was down. What you were at the foot of. Yeah, I was down. Yeah, and I was just all I could see with my hands on the ground. In front of me, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm starting to lift my head up and realize the magnitude of my loss. I know people have lost their sons in this. People have lost their best friends. I don't know. To lose your husband and your best friend in one night is. I don't really even know how to start. I just can't believe what I've lost. (sighs) 
the connection I had with Max was so special. I felt like we were like twin flames in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. We went creatively, we just spent hours together writing and I felt like every time I would see him, <laughs> we would sort of hold hands and go through the cupboard into Narnia. And I've never had that with somebody before. And I can't believe it's gone. <laughs> I've never connected with somebody like that before musically and creatively. And there are these two huge pieces of me that are just gone. There was so much passion in my relationship with Max. So much passion. Everything we did, when we cooked, when we spoke, we would have heated debates and we would laugh and talk about everything and anything. We would have very, very (laughs) spicy conversations. (laughs) Nothing was off limits and that translated to everything in our dynamic and and creatively as well. I just, I thought that we would be writing together forever until we were old. I felt I'd really finally found this sort of missing piece or something. So to lose that is really, it's too much alone. And then you add in Ryan and it's, I just don't know where to start. The other night I was in the studio and I was really trying to write a song, you know, really just switch on focus and and I had plans with somebody and the plans changed and I just lost it. I completely lost it. I completely broke down and it made me miss them so much. And I just laid on the floor and like I miss them so much I my hands are sort of searching for them or something and so I just bundled up all the guitar wires and like they were a person or something. It's completely mad. I just held on to them and it's just looking for anything, you know, that I don't know how to explain it. I just laid down and started crying for Max. And then I was saying his name and and then in the road I heard this car coming up the road and music was blaring and it was Max's voice. Brian was driving up and he was playing Max's music and and I just started laughing and crying because I was <laughs> screaming out for him and then there he wow. was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I miss him so much. I really do. I miss the person I was when I was around him. I've never met a guitarist as good as him. He was gifted. And he was a gift you know, to all of us, and I don't know what to do now. (laughs) I don't know what to do (sighs) without him or without Ryan or 
And sometimes, you know, well-meaning people say to me, well, what are you going to do now? Oh, do they really? Yeah, people say, what are you going to do? I don't fucking know. I don't know what I'm going to do. What a dumb question. (laughs) I can't believe somebody would ask you that. Yeah, and I know it's because they don't know, they're shocked, and they see you and they go, well, what do we do now? Hmm. Go, I don't know, what are you going to do? <laughs> if someone asks me that question, I feel like I'm being buried alive. I don't know. And that's why I'm tired. Living in the moment is exhausting. <laughs> it is. It's very difficult to live when you don't have a direction. My direction was them. Yeah. Everything we did was together, and we steered the ship together last three years. All we've done is everything was together. All of our plans and the future and everything we were building towards them. I feel like they've just dropped my hands and gone. Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing, I think, the, the magnitude, and I had to compartmentalize it at the beginning because I was drowning. And I couldn't carry the weight of all of it. And now I feel a bit stronger. I can, I think. And I can't face away from it, you know. I've got Mm. to handle it. I'm just annoyed I have to. I've gone from crying and saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, to I can't believe I have to do this. And there are moments where I just don't know if I can. But what's my other choice? You know, people say to me all the time, oh, you're so brave, you're so strong. And I just think, what's my option? What is my option? What, am I going to kill myself? I don't... And then make everyone in more pain? I'd never, you know, I'd never want anyone that I love to feel how I'm feeling now. So no, I'm not going to kill myself. I lay here with these guitar chords. <laughs> yeah, having stupid fucking guitar chords like they're <laughs> a person. <sighs> so that's what I don't understand when people say to me, I'm strong. I don't feel strong. <laughs> At all. Can't even remember if I've poured a fucking cup of tea or not. My hands are shaking all the time. I don't feel strong. We went everywhere together and did everything together, so why wasn't I with them in the car? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to stay here with all of this? You know, that's my question. I wanted to go too. <laughs> they left me. And that's hard heavy to carry that every day. Because it's not suicidal, it's not a death wish, it's just, it doesn't feel complicated to me, it's just, why wasn't I in the car? I was always in the car, (laughs) just makes me mad. I'm not going to give you some cliche answer right now about why you weren't in the car. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know why you weren't in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Nor do I, but I better fucking find out. Before I die. Otherwise, I'm going to be pissed. You know, I could sit here and say, um, 
you weren't meant to be in the car. You were meant to do things and your work here isn't finished. No, do what? <laughs> what am I meant to do? Have Wednesdays with me? <laughs> Aren't I worth staying here for? Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. And I know I feel guilty when I say it and I feel like I can't say that to people because it feels ungrateful. But it is how I feel. Of course. No, it doesn't seem ungrateful. It's normal. Again, it's normal to feel that way, to wonder that because you were always in the car. You guys went everywhere together and that particular night, they let you go off to bed and didn't fight you on it, which I think is very interesting because they were always begging you to always, play and sing with night. them. I mean, every night I've ever been here, they've been like, come on, you guys, come play with us. Come play, come play. Don't go, you know, don't go home. Don't, don't go to sleep, whatever. Yeah, that's why I don't understand. But that night they did not do that. And you even gave them chances. You said, last chance, I'm really going to bed. And they just looked at you and smiled. I should look into survivor's guilt. Yeah. Even though I didn't... No, even though you were not in a situation, directly in the situation where two people were killed and one was left, you kind of were. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, God. So that's been my week. It's been great. Another lovely, glamorous week in the life of grief. I think it's really incredible that Max came to you when you were in the studio. When I was calling out for him. Because he did. Yeah. He did. That was the closest that he could get to you. Yeah. Was giving you his voice. (laughs) I heard him from down the road. (laughs) That was the closest he could get to you. Yeah. And that was not a coincidence. Yeah. So tell me about your week anyway. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> Tell me My what... week has been full of Disney auditions. You're so lucky that you get to go and disappear into that other world for a Aren't while. Aren't I? So fun. I love how much you love your auditions as well. I, I've never I, I known do. another actress. And I know lots of actresses who get so much, drive so much pleasure from the audition process. It's very healthy because... You're not focusing on whether you get the part or not. You're focusing on the experience and the journey and the opportunity to do your craft. And I have never met an actor or an actress who has that attitude. I've got hiccups now. (laughs) It's okay, I'll take over. Yeah, thank you. It's taken me a lot of time to get to that place. Yeah. And I think quarantine has had a lot to do with that Mm. it gave me a whole new appreciation for every opportunity that comes along and every audition is a chance to create and to to act you know an actor must act (laughs) whether it's in front of a mirror or on a stage or whatever and so yeah this week I had some really exciting opportunities to create a character and have some fun. And one of them was for a Disney project, and I had to sing a song from 
you know, a, a very well-known Disney movie. And I must have done 30 takes just because it was so fun. <laughs> the girl taping me was like, oh, my God, we've been here for five hours. <laughs> like, no, no, you don't understand. Just, I didn't get this one line the way I want it. Let me just go one more time, one more time. Thank you, thank you. I you know? That. That's so cute. Fuck, was- I said cute again. Lucy's, Lucy is trying to stop. She says, I say cute too much. Everything is cute. I, if something's good, I'm like, oh, cute. Or if something's nice, I say, oh, cute. It's become my catch-all word, and it makes her really livid. <laughs> it really It does really irks you, doesn't it? Makes me want to choke you. Because you think I'm being patronising. Yeah. But I'm not. I mean cute, like, in a really, the most nicest way. Well, for someone to say, oh, how cute to me is a button. Not your fault, but in the past, I sang the national anthem at the at Dodger Stadium. Crazy. Now, you know as a singer, singing the national anthem is the scariest thing. Oh, I would never do it. That you could ever Too do. Too terrifying. Are you, you've never done it? No. First of all, it's not my national anthem. Oh, oh my God. I can't <laughs> believe I just said that. That's funny that you Of know. course it's not your national anthem. Hello. Yeah, okay, well. So, I, it's not... You guys love to sing the national anthem and salute the flag and do all that. We don't really do that that much. No, you don't do that that much. I love to make myself sing the national anthem at least once a year because it's like those people that are nuts that jump off a boat into ice water. (laughs) It's like that for me. It's like an ice water dip. (laughs) I cannot think of anything more scary than singing the national anthem in any setting. And it shocks the system. No, I would, I'd faint. Yeah. it's, It's, do you get dizzy? Is it dizzying? Um, yes. Do you leave your, but you, do you like, I, I leave the yeah. building. I leave <laughs> yeah. the ballpark. <laughs> I am not in the stadium. Yeah. It's, it's really scary because look, everybody thinks, Oh, the national anthem, it's such a hard song. It's not a hard song. It's got like a one octave range. Not that everybody knows what that means, but it's not a hard song. It's just, there's so much on it's it. The national it's the national anthem. anthem. If you fuck up one word, you fucked it for you this entire... let the country down. You let your country down. You've let the players down. You let down. the players down. You let the audience You've down. You've the game. You let Abraham Lincoln down. Exactly. Like, you let George Washington down. Everybody. You spat on the graves of the forefathers. Yes. So, I sang the national anthem at Dodger Stadium for a Dodger-Mets game, no less. Yeah, that's a big deal. Packed stadium. Now, just remind me. Uh, what are we talking about? That... <laughs> Who are you? Now, just remind me. Um, now, is that baseball? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is the Dodgers about baseball? Not even going to answer that. Basketball? Not even going to answer. You're on your own with that one. Why don't you Google it? No, tell me. <laughs> it's baseball. Okay, good. Well, I don't know. I'm English. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot you guys. guys are you guys mess up your well, you call base you call football soccer. Well, I think since we invented it, I think we'll probably soccer, let football. you know what it's called. <laughs> you know what? I think that you should get with the times. If you want to live in America, why don't you not learn sure how I, to be an American? Not sure if I do. So <laughs> going back to England tomorrow. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm surrounded by British people, you guys. Oh, how did what how did my life come to this? You asked for it. So anyway, anyway, this opportunity someone to said sing. to me, "Oh, how cute." And I thought, "You motherfucker." 
Yeah. You have no idea the amount of work it takes to get to a level where you can sing the national anthem for a Dodger Mets game. And also that to is be not asked. To be asked, whatever. That is not cute. No. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is a huge deal. Yeah, it really Don't is. you dare underestimate me. Yeah, minimize the experience. Don't you fucking dare. Yeah, it's minimizing so, your experience. So to me, to say, oh, cute, is minimizing. Yeah, because you, you've had an experience where that word has been the most negative word. Right. So Maybe I've been sent here to desensitize you to the Of course cute. you have. You've been here to do, do a lot of things to me, okay? Uh, cute. So, I hate myself when I say it now. Well, you should. Some things are cute, though. For you me, sound like a 20-year-old on, I th- on TikTok. I know. But the thing is, is I really do think so many things are cute. Like what? Just so many. It's like old men are cute. Animals are cute. Sometimes like the way plants sits is cute. You right. Know. That's cute. Yeah, but... Not... <laughs> Ryan used to say to me, you just think everything's so cute, don't you? And I'd say, yeah, actually, I really do. I really think... Like even an avocado can look cute. Just there are see, I look at things and go, wow, that makes me cry. Yeah, so, but for me, I'm like, oh. I could cry over an avocado. I And I could go, that's so cute. And it would make my eyes water with cuteness. So, I, I especially like miniature things. Anything I mini- love miniature things. Yeah. No, don't even get, no. We could it's have gonna an entire. You cry. <laughs> You're going to cry about miniature things. So. <laughs> So if I see miniature things, it can push me to the point of tears. Okay, I collect miniatures. Could we have we could have an entire episode <laughs> on miniatures. Not only do I collect miniatures, but I inherited my grandmother's miniature collection. Is it because we are miniatures ourselves? We We're are very five too. We're tiny. Yeah, when so- I see somebody <laughs> on TV, I remember once watching America's Next Top Model, and there was a girl who was exactly my measurements, exactly. And I looked at her and I thought, that is the smallest person I've ever seen. And then when I looked at her measurements to find out that they were the same as me. You said, how cute. I said, what the fuck? That's how small I am. It was a shock to my system. Is that when you decided to become a model? That's when I decided to (laughs) become a supermodel. Have leg surgery. How's that going? Um, Haven't worked in 30 years. (laughs) It's really, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Anyways, look, your week has been not cute. It's been serious. My week has been amazing. Playing Disney characters. Playing Could, Disney characters. Do you mind if I ask Getting you? accosted by strange men. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, can we just... Can we just stop for a minute? Because I really need to... Talk about this one thing. I just want people to know the story because... Why? Because I I really hated the story. Yeah, I I, hated the experience. And I want it to leave my body and go into somebody else's body and take... I need somebody... I can't keep holding this. Okay. I've got too much stuff that I'm carrying. I get it. So I need for the listeners to now... To take this. Take this one from me. For the team. I hate this story. All right. But I also need for it to be shared. All right. here, Here it is. So you're teaching a piano lesson. What are you doing? Yeah, you're te- you're teaching a piano lesson. Yeah, I have a few piano students, and I took on a new piano student who had been referred by somebody. And I go to their house, and I'm teaching, and 
they're nice and that you know they're nice and and um bit weird though well <laughs> i always tell a parent that they can like stay close by yeah because i'd want to stay close oh, of course, by somebody you don't know yeah yeah so this dad is standing behind me with his arms crossed mm-hmm. for a lot of the lesson which is fine second lesson same thing standing behind me also fine but then he starts to correct my teaching right now let's just say you're classically trained have been since childhood you are one of the most accomplished classically trained musicians that i've ever met wow you haven't met very many people so i've met a lot of people (laughs) a lot but you really are i'm definitely an expert in my field you really are piano you are and so just wanted to give that context completely absurd that that would be happening okay so he says to me um how big of a range do you think my daughter has vocally? And I said, well, you know, for her age, probably about two octaves, knowing full well what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. She has four octaves. And you know when you're trying not to... Punch someone in the face? Be <laughs> mean and, and your voice goes all high and you're like, oh, yeah. Like you're trying not to lie or something. I said, um, well, I, (laughs) that's insane. What do you say? Four octaves. That is like from a very low note to a very, very high note. Yeah. So he's telling me his daughter has a four octave range and I'm going, what is this guy talking about? This is really uncomfortable because he's questioning questioning what I'm telling him. And so I go and I show him, I have his daughter sing because he won't leave the room. And sure enough, she sings just around two octaves. And then the kid cannot go any higher with her voice. Yeah, understandable. She's just a small child. And I said, you see, so like I said, you know, her range is about two octaves. And he goes, no, no. When she's singing with me, I get her to go four octaves. And I said, okay, (laughs) that's fine. Sounds good. You're nuts. Okay, moving on. Lesson's done. And he says, um, I need you to come into my office and sit down with me. I want to go over some business. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to pay me. Yeah. Because they hadn't paid me, which is fine. Yeah. Maybe he wants me to sign some paper that, you know, they might pay me for a big couple months at once or something. Yeah, yeah. So I sit with him and he's got this stack of papers on his lap. And he's shuffling this stack of papers. And I'm going, all right, maybe it's his legal stuff, whatever, banking, whatever. And he says, so I found out who you are. I Googled you. And I found out who you are. And you've done this and you've done that and you've done this. And there's this show on TV that I am involved with investing, producing, whatever. And he starts describing American Idol how they go from city to city and America votes and they, you know, find musicians and, and I like maybe America's got talent or something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. But he never said the title. No, it's okay. just some project in development. And I think he means that he wants to maybe use songs that I've written for other people to sing, maybe for contestants to sing on the show. And he's going, and I need you to just sign these papers 
sign this paper and then I'll give you the full details of the show. And I, and I'm going, what the hell is going on? I said, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Do you mean that you want me to be on the show? And he said, well, yes. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> no, no. I've already done that. Yeah. As everybody knows, Flop the Cradle was a big hit. I said, no, I've already done that. You know, I was on this show for MTV and that's what we did. And he said, yes, I know, I know. Yeah, you were on Rock the Cradle. He said, but that was a long time ago. And you didn't win, did you? He said, how far did you get? I said, I don't remember. Yeah. Now in my head, I'm going, what is this motherfucker doing? Yeah. He's brought you down to his office in the basement. He's asking you to sign paperwork. He's telling you he's been Googling you. He knows who you are. And now he's putting down. Now he's, yeah, like making you feel cornered and small. Cornered and and like I need to defend my life. Your experience, yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is abuse. Yeah, it's very... I would genuinely feel scared if I was in that situation. I did. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to figure out how to get out with a smile on my face, as women do. Yeah. As men do, I'm sure, too. Anyone can relate to this who's been cornered like that. You'd think you would stand up and go, fuck you, you're fucking nuts, I'm out of here, and tip a table over. You don't. But you don't do that. You don't. You're in so much shock about Your brain's going a million miles an hour. So... He continues to tell me that I have to sign this piece of paper. He says it like five times. And and I go, I am not signing that. I don't sign things without my team present. Yeah. If you would like to email this to me, I'm happy to pass it on to my manager. Yeah. And he'll take a look at it. Yeah. Peppered throughout this conversation are put downs. Mm. Subtle put downs. The big kahuna was, he says, so your family is like the, one of the most famous families in show business. Why haven't you made it yet? And I said, and I, I just stared at him and I allowed the silence to be there. Good. Because I wanted him yeah, to feel awkward. Twist in the wind. And I said, I wasn't aware that I hadn't made it. And I said, and I stood up and he was still, you need to sign these papers. You need to sign these papers. And then he starts asking me, you know, what's it like being related to Joe Walsh? And tell me the story about Ringo. How is he your uncle? And just insanity. Sounds like a goddamn journalist. And I thought, I am never coming back to this house. So. I got out of there so fast. Dysfunctional. I sent them an email. I said, I'm so sorry. I won't be able to take you on Mm. as new students. And if you'd like to pay me for the past two weeks, you can. Yeah. I just cannot. It's so shocking on so many levels, that story. Here's the, the, the valuable thing about it. That happens to all of us. It has happened to all of us, whether you're an artist or not. And I got a very valuable lesson from it. And I was really happy that it happened, actually, because we think we're invincible. You think you're so strong Mm. and you think, oh, nobody can make me feel down about myself. Nobody can put me in doubt. I'm too strong. I know Mm. who I am. I believe in myself. Yeah. 
they can't touch me. Yeah. But it does. It gets in like poison and it's insidious and you don't know that it got in, but all of a sudden you're bumping into walls. Yeah. And that week after that happened, I left there. I fired them. Mm. I went home. I showered. I felt so dirty. It's just the physicality of being in like a basement and like brought into somebody's office and like the way that he was like shuffling the papers and everything it was a very it's like coercive behavior he's sending you signals he's taking you into a room that you're feeling it's like persuasion it's questioning my it's like expertise putting me tactics, in doubt uh-huh. but used in a way that is is to like manipulate and gaslight you into feeling minimized your experience minimize your career your achievements to try to get you to, to sign this piece of paper that you need him as, and all like this is going to be some big opportunity what is haunting to me is that like these people walk amongst us that's what i thought how it's just, has like, this normal, person yeah how has he functioned in life to this point and how many people has he done this to and he's in um, the business it's, it's i can't believe it so i went home i told will all about it i was just disgusted I was laughing about it because it was very funny in some ways. Yeah. But it got in. And over that week, over that next week, it started to come out in my thinking. And that's how you can tell. And that's what you have to watch for. When you start to go down and you don't know why, but all of a sudden I was using words like, I feel hopeless. I feel aimless. Yeah. And... Something set me off. I saw a friend of mine, Katy Perry, Mm -hmm. was at the inauguration. And I had a breakdown. Like, I was crying so hard, going, she's at the inauguration, and what am I doing? Comparing. Comparing. Yeah. Just punishing myself. And that, to me was like the alarm going off of, whoa, back up. You plummeted from what happened to you. Well, the behavior is so insidious. It gets under your skin. Yes. That behavior. And that's not me. I am not a hopeless, aimless person. No, you're not. I have a lot going on. I'm excited about everything I'm doing. Yeah, you really are. When I start using words like that to describe how I'm feeling, I know something's off. Yeah. And you have to look for where it came from because something happened. Yeah. And I really had to acknowledge that that was a big deal, Mm. what he had done to me. Yeah, it was very intimidating. And so the lesson I got from it is that's always going to happen. Yeah. That never goes away. When you become Brad Pitt... That still happens to you. Right, People will come up to you and tell... Look, Marlon Brando had won an Oscar. And somebody asked his dad on a talk show, how do you feel that your son, you know, is this accomplished actor? And he shrugged. And he said, eh, it's all right. They said, are you proud? He said, not really. No. (sighs) And Marlon was crushed by that. So it doesn't matter. It's not about the level you're at it's about understanding yourself and human nature that we are not strong enough to withstand things like that they do get in but what was different for me this time what i was really happy about was i recognized it really quickly Mm. and i shut it down really quickly Mm. and 
when I had that reaction to Katie being at the inauguration, I was able to see that that's bullshit and that has nothing to do with me. And I have no business comparing myself to anyone around me and to be happy for my friend. Comparison is the murderer of joy. It's the murderer of joy and it robs you of your gifts and your talent. And your time. And the success that's waiting for you and your time, everything. So can you imagine how, so that behavior that you experienced in that room from that man is basically what happened to me over a period of time with those guys I was signed to. At the production yeah. deal. It is insidious, that behavior. It gets under your skin. Yeah. And it can put you in doubt for years. Oh, it did. Yeah. And it did. As you years. Know. It can um, take you down for years. But imagine This time I what, caught it within a couple days. Great for you. And that's the thing. It's like, there you go. What a bloody lesson. At that's all you can do you is catch it quickly. It yeah. Imagine being around that all the time. Like that's what that guy's kids are going to grow up around. That's what I thought. And I thought, the other I'm worried for his daughters. For him and and in his life. And these are the people that are sort of slithering around the industry. They are. you got to watch Snakes out. Snakes yep. in the grass. Snakes, exactly. So that was a great lesson I got this week. and Because uh, you were really down. Yeah, it, it really it got me there for a second. So... You're welcome, listener. Just take that and put it inside and just... Stick uh, that in your pipe and smoke it so I don't have to anymore. I hated that story. (laughs) I hated it. I loved it because it was a juicy story. I hated it because it was horrifying. We learned a lot this week. We both did. Yeah. I've learned that I've started to judge myself and my grief and my process and be hard on myself. I know you have. I feel like I'm taking steps back or, you know, whatever it is. I need to just take that and throw it in the garbage. We're not judging ourselves over the grieving process here. That's right. And mine's not over the grieving process, but I judge myself very harshly in general. You do. You're really hard on yourself. Yeah. Self-judgment is garbage. And that's where it belongs. When you... Here's my final thought. When you are being a total shit to yourself, ask yourself... If somebody was doing this to your best friend and saying these things to your best friend, how would you feel? Or ask yourself, if you were listening to your best friend say these things to themselves, what would you say to them? Okay, now say that to yourself. That's what I'm going to do. Exactly. So I guess this week is be your own best friend. Be your own best friend. Love yourself. Love yourself. (laughs) Love you, love you. You with the sad heart. Don't be discouraged, don't worry, lass. It's hard to take courage in a world full of people. You can lose sight of it all in the darkness. No inside you make you feel so small. But I see your truth.